and welcome to Show Talk Podcast, the place where I talk, you talk, and we talk about shows. And we are back with another episode of The Nevers, episode three. And I am a oh no, I'm a lot of thoughts and feelings and emotions. And if you hear my voice crack anytime throughout this podcast it's because I've been screaming and crying at the same time and I didn't know that this show and this episode in general was going to affect me as much as it has and yet I'm a mess like if you guys could see a physical video of me right now or a physical reaction of me to this episode you would rightfully be concerned (laughs) I am so upset right now I'm so upset and I can't even tell you why because I really just want to get into the episode and let you know how I'm processing everything. This is like real time. Like I just finished the episode like five minutes ago. (laughs) This is real time reactions, everyone. So you're going to have to stick with me harder than you have any other episode so far because I am still processing. I'm still organizing. I'm still thinking about what exactly went down. I mean, I'm sure all of you guys are just as upset and confused and hopeful at the same time about what's coming up for the rest of the season. And I don't know. I guess I just really want to get into it. I just want to release these emotions um, that this episode has caused me. So... Let's get into it. Let's get into the show. Uh, to reminder, this is a TVMA show, Mature Adult. So if you are not a mature adult of 18 plus, I suggest you see your way out. And I'll see you on any of my other podcast shows. But for now, if you've been with me, episode one and episode two and now episode three, let's get right into it. Let's get right into The Nevers, episode three. So it has come to my attention after watching this episode that I probably have not been saying the correct names, either last episode or the episode before that. And honestly, I want it to be known that I know their names now, and I still love them dearly, close to my heart forever, Um, but I can't be bothered to go back to episode two and, and change those mistakes. You knew what I mean. You knew when I said, Miss Adir, I really meant Miss Amalia True. You knew. (laughs) But I'm going to do better. I'm going to do better this episode. And if I don't, call me out on it because they're two precious of characters that I've I've literally brought into my heart and my soul um, that I can't keep up with these these mistakes. It's it's unacceptable. So I'm going to do better. And I want you guys to to hold me to it. And if I don't point it out but I'll try. Now that we've gotten that out of the way, I just want it to be uh, known that I told you so. You know, when I said that Hugo and this whole ferryman uh, thing that he was doing made him trash, trash. Okay. When I said that I don't like Lavinia, still trash. You know, Augustus, trash too. I don't even feel bad. All of them together, trash people, dumpster fire, send them right back. Because looking at Hugo, 
and what he's doing to not only his friends, like to Augustus, but what he's doing to the detective, Mr. Bundy or whatever his name is, unacceptable. Unacceptable. Because at first, at first I was like, you know what? Every girl for herself, you know, I'm not going to judge anyone for being someone's companion or, or, or a prostitute or whatever, because, you know, that's how you survive in a world that doesn't want you to succeed. Okay. And like Hugo says, I hate to say it, gives a bad taste in my mouth, but he does provide them shelter, gives them a form of payment, you know, but he's clearly praying for the the troubled women and we know this because he's still working with a detective and he's using the detective's connection to Mary to try to get in trying to figure out what churns they have trying to see who wants to leave and this is all just a ploy for him to get more people into his club and doesn't that all sound eerily familiar to what i was saying last episode about how lavinia is using the churns and the troubled as her own little circus and then we find out that she's actually using them as experiments and now we have Hugo using the turns as his own little circus but now it's a prostitution ring. Those two are two of the same pod. They're not even related and yet they're both evil in the same way. I mean poor Augustus, this dang fool. Like what if Hugo found out that Augustus had his own churn would hugo exploit him for that and and turn him into just another paying client i don't i don't understand i don't understand how you could grow up with somebody and betray them as much as hugo is doing for what for money he's had augustus sign over his entire life and it's just it's so shady and i don't think augustus really knows what he's he's getting into when it comes to hugo and what this this ferryman place is really uh it's like a circus it's like a sex circus and when i say i saw so many naked people this this episode i mean the boobs were out butt cheeks to the wind i (laughs) I didn't see it coming and I know it's a TV MA show and I was thinking more like on the terms of fights and blood and swearing and all that good stuff but there were so many naked people and I feel like I'm going to have to get used to that every time we pan into Hugo's storyline but it was there and I hope you guys um, didn't watch this episode with family because that would have been a mess. You know what else was a mess? Lord Mason. I have nothing but shady vibes coming from this man. And it all starts off with the fact that we see two graves. We see his wife's grave and we see his daughter's grave. And I'm confused because the last time we saw Lord Mason's daughter, she wasn't dead. She wasn't dead. She got touched. We saw that, but she wasn't dead. So um, I haven't heard once not once that the touched have died from their uh from their afflictions or have died from their turns that they've they've acquired so something shady something doesn't make sense especially when the um contractor goes in to put in the telephone wires and we see that there's a basement a prison and it looks like someone's in one of these cells and we don't know who because they don't make a noise they don't make a sound but we see a shadow in one of those prisons 10 bucks says it's his daughter 10 bucks says it's his daughter and his daughter's not even a teenager yet because that means he would have trapped her in there 
since she churned for three years and she's probably around 12 or 11 right now based on what the grave said for the age and that's just wrong on all levels and there's a fact that everyone in that household or in that mansion in that compound knows exactly what's going on downstairs and this is what I'm talking about when I hate when outside characters are like I'd love to have a churn or people start saying things like oh well, you're only lucky because you have a churn. You're only good because you have a churn. The struggle is real. Okay, the touched are being chained. The touched are being murdered. The touched are being locked away by their own family members in prison cells underneath the comp. I can't. It's a lot, man. It's a lot. And honestly, only a small portion into the amount of storyline and pure bullshit that's been going on this entire episode and I think a lot of it we have to think of is because of this mission that has been going around that Amalia has tried to start and we don't know much about it but you can think that it happened directly after everyone was touched because we know that Malady and Amalia knew each other and we know that it was in a hospital and we know that Horatio was also present in that hospital and in that time a mission began to become created and we know that because Malady also knows about the mission but memories seem to be a little far and few in between so we don't know what exactly happened in this hospital to both Malady to both Amalia and what Horatio's part in it was. We do know that Amalia says that she knew something or she saw something she shouldn't have and that's what brought her into this hospital to begin with and so I'm thinking it's either the hospital or the an asylum, asylum that Malady was going to go into at the beginning of episode one. That would also explain why Malady was super angry at Amalia and why she felt that Amalia abandoned her because we saw that at episode one only Malady was going to the asylum not Amalia because Amalia was going through the little side streets when we saw her and she tried to kill herself we still don't know what this mission is we still don't know what this hospital was we still don't know what they actually did to the girls in this hospital stay what Horatio's part in it was but we know that something was created in that time frame something was seen in that time frame now it could have been the aliens could have not been the aliens but I'm gonna throw a weird weird theory at you and I want you to just stick with me because it just came to me and I feel like somebody might agree or might have been thinking the same thing when they were watching this episode. So now that we know that both Amalia and Malady were in a hospital and that Horatio was also in this hospital and what other doctor do we know in this show so far? The one that is creating the evil snatchers and what is the evil snatcher doctor's best technique and best um, form of surgery that we know of messing around with the brain and now both Amalia and Malady have uh, short memories about what went down in that hospital like what if he's part of it what if he's part of it and if he's part of it does that mean Lavinia is part of it too since she's his boss since she knows him longer and if if <gasps> you guys okay 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 Clearly, this show is just for me to have breakthroughs um, to go over with you as I'm uh, talking to myself. But you guys, what if since Amalia and maybe Melody were the only ones that remembered the aliens, they told other people, got sent into this insane asylum, correct? Horatio was there, correct? 
He then watched over both Malady and Amalia as the doctor, the evil snatcher doctor, performed experiments on them to see what they actually knew, right? And then that's how they got the information about that underground area where they found the egg possible spaceship that we saw in episode two, correct? So that means Lavinia had to have known about the aliens and the only way she would have known about the aliens is if she had directed the doctor which we now know she is the leader of that she's the boss of she leads the doctor so she must have led whatever operation or whatever hospital both amalia and malady had gone to to get the knowledge that she has to work on this spaceship that she knows of there you go there you go that's my theory it makes sense if you think about it because we only know two doctors so far in this entire show and yet there's a mysterious hospital and missing memories make it make sense this is it this is it right there and this is why i still don't trust Nia, and i probably won't trust her for the rest of this entire season after i've come to this conclusion in real time because she's evil i know it now because how is it everyone else doesn't have memories of what happened three years ago, but only the doctor does and only Lavinia does? Which means they had to have gotten information from the only people that remember. And if Malady remembers, and possibly Amalia remembers because of her turn, then it makes sense. And her ratio must have been part of the plan to break Amalia out of the hospital. And that's why Horatio is so hell-bent on making sure that Amalia is alive and well and why they have such a twisted history together that is possibly not healthy but anyway so he probably broke them out and they probably left Malady by accident which left her to be trapped by the doctor and the rest of them which is probably why she's even more crazier than we thought but she doesn't remember who kept her because she's been abused her entire life ah amazing I've broken the entire season. This is this is my prediction for the entire season. They're going to figure it out. They have to. We'll see how it goes. We'll see how it goes. But in case my theory is incorrect, let's get on with what actually happened this episode and see if we have any more breakthroughs on what could be happening in future episodes. But yeah, let's get back to it. Let's get back on track. Let's get back on track. Let's not get too crazy. We're still focusing on this mission and what this mission really is. And at this point, I feel like the mission is to get everyone who's turned or has been touched and use them to create some kind of army or uh, just a protection squad for everyone. Because when Amalia is looking for specific touched people, I mean, look at the interaction she had with Bonfire when she tried to go and talk to Bonfire after Bonfire escaped Melody and she's living on her own and she's going against the beggar king and trying to find her own turf. Amalia was like, listen, come to the orphanage. We need your powers because they are strong defensive powers and we can use it. And of course, Bonfire at first just says no she's not gonna go with amalia she can take care of herself clearly as she's already gone up against the beggar king and succeeded that she doesn't need to go and amalia is very sad about this and she's very frustrated because she feels like she needed bonfire 
for whatever mission she that she's creating and it's understandable that people are confused as to why she's so determined to have strong touched characters who are big on defense and offense just thinking about all that as someone from the outside I understand why Mary is very hesitant to use her voice to bring in more touched people because we don't know Amalia. Like I said in episode two, there's a lot about her that has not been explained. It's slowly coming to light every episode, but there's still big key things that we need to know, like why she wants to head this orphanage, why she wants more turned people to come and and be with her what this mission is so for mary to put all of her trust in amalia and use her voice and have it projected on this microphone that they've created to reach so many other people to possibly be experimented on or used for a ward that they're not ready for it's sketchy i'm not gonna lie because we've seen it with our own eyes what can happen when people put out false hope we see the evil snatcher doctor put out false advertisements of the orphanage to lure young girls and other touched and and different churns to his experimental facility and what has that done but created zombies for lavinia and the doctor to figure out what's a churn and what's created the churns it's not safe. It's not safe for anyone. And people like Mary and the rest of the churns, they should have their guards up. They should be questioning everything instead of following blindly at anyone who's going to provide shelter for them. Because if that's not the case, you're going to end up in a place like the ferryman, you know? And our girls just have to be more on guard than ever, especially now that they know about the second orphanage or the trap that the evil doctor has created to kidnap more women and now we're figuring out what the evil snatchers have done and luckily Amalia and Penance and the rest of the churned have been able to fight back a little bit and we see that as they get answers from the woman who lures the girls in and we find that she is as deranged as the rest of them. She killed her own daughter and grandchild because her daughter was turned and considered that something to be unnatural. And that's just, that's someone you don't know. That's someone that lives next door to you or across the street or someone you could work with. And again, it goes into who do you trust? If someone like that Someone who could just willingly kill their daughter, unborn grandchild, in cold blood, and then proceed to lure other girls who are turned due to their own ideas on evil and good. Then who are we to trust? Who are the turned to trust? As sure as hell can't be Lavinia. And it really, it really, it really hurt me that they trust her so much because of the show that she's created and that she's an ally. Because... In that time frame that Amalia has this information on the Snatchers, she goes to Lavinia for help because she's someone of influence. She's someone who can provide money and protection for the girls in some sense. And she basically lets Lavinia know that she knows about the Snatchers and the fact that Lavinia leads the Snatchers just changes the whole entire game. It changes the whole entire game because now they have nothing up their sleeve because they're trusting the wrong person. And 
now that Amalia tells Lavinia this, she's going home and she almost freaking dies by someone who's turned, who looks like they've been mentally manipulated by. I'm telling you right now, Lavinia put a hit on her. Lavinia put a hit on her and I bet you another $10, another $10 that Lavinia also paid for the hitman to get Mary at this episode. I trust nothing more than that theory because she's the only one that would need an upper hand. She can't have people finding out about her organization. She can't have people finding out that she has been experimenting on the churned. She needs them. She needs all of them. She can't have them coming together and becoming potential army against what she's creating and what she's doing. No, she can't have more people learning about the alien ship that she has underground. No, because she's using that for her own benefits as soon as she can understand it. And if it is her, if she is the one that's created the hit on both Amalia and Mary, I'm ready. I'm ready to go to war, okay? I screamed this entire episode because we finally, finally got Mary to show her voice. And we see it as she goes into the park and it's amplified. And we see the hope and the peace that comes over everyone who's turned and who's able to hear it. And we see people who throughout this episode have been physically and mentally and internally struggling finally let their shoulders down listening to Mary's voice and in a second in a second we see gunshots hit her body and I screamed I'm getting emotional just thinking about it okay because now she's gone she's dead she's gone and she's dead and what are we to do what are we to do we touched all these people she was supposed to be our beacon of hope our 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 beacon of light at the end of the tunnel and yet now she's gone you know, I, I usually change up the titles for the shows that I'm watching in each episode so that it basically sums up my thoughts on the episode in some way or just what really went down. And I know why this episode is called Ignition, not only because of Bonfire, but because of the actions that were made and how it lit a fire and it's going to cause change in the next couple of episodes. But I named this episode Twilight because if you look at the definition of Twilight, it is known as soft glowing light from the sky when the sun is below the horizon, caused by a refraction and scattering of the sun's rays from the atmosphere. And all I could think of was Mary's voice and how she was that light that was scattering across a new day and the closing of an old one. And she was finally going to be that last scattering bit of sun and rays to reach out to the rest of the churn and create a new a new life for them and now the fact that she's gone because of these people that have come into play and and have killed her because of what she can do and and what she means i'm ready i'm ready to go to war okay when i saw at the end of the episode all of the churned that heard the voice come to the orphanage, all I could think was, I'm ready to go to war! I'm ready to start a fight, okay? I'm ready to start a bonfire. I am ready to go after Lavinia, to go after the evil snatchers, to go after the the ferrymen, to go after Lord Mason, because that was so wrong. 
That was so wrong. I felt that. I felt that song as if I was turned, as if I was touched. It was like that hope. As soon as Mary died, it was like that hope just just fell with her. I was bawling my eyes out. I was upset. And now I'm just angry. And to see all of the churned and all of the touched come into the orphanage to meet Amalia and the rest of the group. Yes. Vengeance. That's where I'm at for this episode. Vengeance. Lavinia girl, we're coming for you. We're coming for you because I know, I know it's her. It has to be. I feel like now that I have increased my blood pressure with this episode and this recap that I should call it um so far with this episode but I do of course want to go over honorable mentions like I always do for every episode and one thing for sure well while my blood pressure is still up there one thing I should just mention is I can't believe Horatio is still married I can't believe Horatio is still married why would they do that to me I shipped Horatio and Amalia together since episode one to find out that he's still married. I'm upset. I'm upset. He's still married and have a kid. Infidelity. We don't approve of that here. No, we don't do cheating over here. No, no. Because now I look at Horatio in a different light and I don't approve and I don't approve and I know he feels guilty but I still see the tension okay you still love her because if he didn't love her he wouldn't be running at her beck and call every five seconds no also Horatio then and went and healed Malady okay I don't know if it's guilt or what it could be for him to be doing that but stupid okay I don't know if he was worried about his life but it didn't look it it didn't look it when he was when he was helping her because I I don't know. I don't know what he's doing. I really don't understand what he's doing. And I want to know his history too. And what that meant that he was at the hospital with Melody and Amalia. And if that relationship started when she was in the hospital or out of it. I want to know. I want to know. Because now I'm upset. Because the one main ship that I was really rooting for in this episode and in this entire show, it's gone. I've retracted my statements. I can't do it anymore. And two wow is the detective gay is the detective gay and was mary his beard now i knew there was gonna be lgbtq plus ia rainbow mafia moments in here but i didn't see that coming i really didn't see that coming and i don't know how i feel about it i mean he's in the closet clearly he loved mary in a sense that he was willing to marry her but you know he couldn't you saw the way he followed that guy out of the bar. There were eyes. There was fire. There was tension. We saw the way that him and Hugo were looking at each other. There's a history there, okay? Apparently, they slept with each other more than once. Wow. <laughs> and the fact that Mary knew. Ooh, Mary knew. That That's crazy. Uh, but it really it kind of hurt knowing that he went to Mary's little song concert performance in the park, hoping that he would be able to hear her voice and accept who he was as a gay man. Oh, that made it even worse. Oh, no. And when he couldn't hear the song in his face, I cried. Oh, I felt so bad. I don't even like him as a character that much. And I felt so bad. And now the love of his life, the only one that really accepted him and really knew who he was, is dead. Oh, okay. That's upsetting. I upset myself. 
Um, but yeah, what are we going to do? What are we going to do now that we have this army of, it looked like 20 or more people coming into this orphanage. Um, what are we going to do? Are we going to start battle stations? Are we going to start a Mulan, make a man out of you sequence? I'm, I'm ready. If you've stuck with me this far in the episode, I just want to thank you so much. I know that every time I release an episode, it's just a bunch of crazy revelations and ramblings and tangents and screaming, but I feel like I like these kind of podcasts a lot more than the formal types just because it feels like I'm in the car with you or or standing right next to you as you're listening to this episode wherever you are and I want that kind of of closeness with my listeners um that I I don't find a lot in some some podcasts and I hope to one day maybe host with other podcasters or just anyone who's interested in the shows that I am just so that you can get their perspectives on things too and I really think it'll help the conversation flow a lot more um just having more than one voice um so who knows maybe one day in the future whether we're talking about the nevers or any other show that I'll later on podcast we might have guests um so that'll be exciting to get to see um But until then, keep on talking, keep on talking about this show, and I probably owe you all about 40 bucks now with the amount of times I've bet $10 throughout this episode, but I know I'm right, and I hope that you just keep following along with me, whether it be on my Twitter at ShowTalkPodcast or on my gmail at showtalkpodcast at gmail.com or just on my website at showtalkblog. I just want to talk to you more about this show and about so many others. But as always, keep on talking. I will see you next time.